Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Hey, and welcome everybody to Agent Investor. Agent Investor is the only brand, as you know, that helps real estate agents get off that real estate roller coaster and achieve financial freedom through investing in real estate. At Agent Investor, we have a saying, sales will make you a living, investing will make you wealthy. And we strongly, and I mean strongly, encourage every real estate agent out there to diversify their income away from being 100% related to selling traditional homes. Now, we don't say quit being a real estate agent. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a real estate broker with over 400 agents. But we believe firmly that real estate agents have some unique advantages when it comes to investing in real estate. And we believe that if agents take those small steps to invest in real estate, their lives will change they will build passive income, and they will no longer be reliant on the ups and downs of the real estate market, no longer be reliant on the potential whims of their buyers and of their sellers. Everything that we do here, we practice it, we preach it, and we hope that you implement some of the stuff that we talk about. We, Before I get started, I also want to remind every single person that's listening right now to make an effort to attend as many of our in-person events as you can. We try to host an event each and every month. You can always find out when our next event is by going to www.agentinvestorevent.com. I know that you're probably listening somewhere virtually, whether it's in your car, whether it's at a computer, but nothing is a supplement for getting around other people who are doing what you want to do. Some of my biggest moments, some of my biggest breakthrough moments that I've had in my career have come from attending in-person events. And I'm not just talking about events that I traveled 20 or 30 minutes to get to. I'm talking about events that I had to hop on a plane, go six hours, go five hours. If you're local, if you're in New England, there's absolutely no reason why you can't hop in your car for that hour, 90 minutes, two-hour drive or maybe you're lucky enough, a 20-minute drive to a more convenient location. We are now doing two events every single month, meaning two different geographic locations in New England. If, again, you want to learn about our next upcoming event, make sure you go to www.agentinvestorevent.com. They say that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. Spend more time with people investing in real estate. Spend more time with agent investors by registering at www.agentinvestorevent.com. The topic for today is going to be probably a pretty easy one for me uh, because it's about our origin story, the company's origin story, and the lessons that we've learned along the way in the close to 20 years that we've been in business. But I'm even going to go back further than that, because in reality, no matter when you officially put your stamp on the day that you started your business, all of the 
actual formation of your business started, you know, well, be, well before that. And, and I'm going to start off by just talking about like how the personal part of my life tied into my business, because there is no way to separate the two. For me, you know, growing up, I, I know a lot of you have heard this story, but I grew up in Revere, Massachusetts. Growing up, you know, we didn't have much money. I mean, I was, you know, I, I, I don't want to put anything out there that's untrue. I didn't go without a meal. I had a house to live in. But, you know, the only thing that my parents ever fought about was money. And we didn't have a lot of it. Um, we, we've almost, we almost lost our house multiple times. And for me, at a young age, I'm talking 8, 10, 11 you know, years old, I had a burning desire to make sure that my family moving forward was not going to have financial struggles. Okay. And I had that kind of ingrained at me in a young age. And that was the basis for me, you know, in, in starting my business. So as many of you have probably been told, you know, as a younger person in your life, if you were, if you expressed any interest in doing well financially, you were probably told, you know, do well in school, get a good job, etc. I was told the same thing. Um, I didn't love school. I do like learning, but I didn't love school. But I became a good student because I thought that that was the way to achieve financial freedom. And so I did that. And it wasn't until 2003, I was in college, uh, I was pre-med, and I was working as a pizza delivery boy uh, for Nana's Pizza in Revere, Massachusetts. And driving around in my 2000, you know, white Kia Sophia in 2003, I put a cassette tape into my white Kia Sophia uh, that changed my life. And that cassette tape was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Many of our listeners and many people that come to our events and many agent investors have read that book. Uh, for me, it was a life-changing book. Um, that book taught me that doing well in school, getting a good job, etc., wasn't the only path towards financial success. As I say this, I'm not one of these people who's anti-school. I'm not one of these people who say, you can't go out, become a professional. You can't, you know, go to school and do well. You can, you absolutely can. But after I listened to that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I realized that at that moment, that that was not the path that I wanted to go down. And I didn't know it at the time, but I, I basically had an entrepreneurial seizure. And meaning that from that moment on, I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know exactly what that looked like. At the time in 2003, I was 21 years old. I didn't know much about anything at that point. Thought I knew a lot about, you know, a lot of different things, but I didn't know much about anything. All I knew was that at that moment, three years into pre-med, I now wanted to own a business and wanted to own real estate. So that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book really sparked my interest. Again, this origin story um, and the lessons from it all stem from the whole, you know, the whole life, right? That 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 I've lived, that my partners have lived. Uh, Forty, I'm 41 years old today, you know. So every year, you know, that I've been alive is part of the story. And so, in 2003, after I, you know, listened to that audiobook, Rich Dad Poor Dad, it sparked me to want to become an entrepreneur. And at that time, I wasn't really sure what to do. So I finished out college. I did get a job. But in 2005, I got my real estate license. 
got my real estate license because I wanted to buy properties. I wanted to earn passive income. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but a mentor of mine suggested, hey, get your real estate license. Hey, at least every house that you buy, you'll earn a commission. Every house that you sell, you won't have to pay a commission. So I went out, got my real estate license. And in 2006, I started selling, selling homes. I, I never thought of myself as a salesperson, to be completely honest with you. I'm you know, kind of shy by nature. I force myself to do these presentations. I force myself to talk. I have you know, forced myself to do that because I know I needed to. But the thought of being in real estate sales was something that I never envisioned myself doing. I never thought of myself as somebody who could be a good salesperson. So when I started selling houses in 2006, you know, it was it was something that you know it was it, it wasn't expected at least for for my myself. I was still working a corporate job selling houses part time in 2006 and 2007, and I thought I was doing pretty good. Again, I, I wanted to invest in real estate at this point, but I didn't really know how. So selling homes kind of gave me that uh, you know starting my own business, being entrepreneurial. I was learning how to you know build the pipeline. I was learning the basics of sales, and I still wanted to invest. Selling real estate part time is is kind of an interesting thing because I was selling, I don't know, five, six, seven houses a year, and I thought you know I was on fire. I mean you know it's great, it's funny because the difference between selling you know five, six, seven houses full time and five, six, seven houses part time is a world of difference. Having that guaranteed income coming in, every commission check that came to me was extra money. It was money that I didn't plan for. It was money that I didn't need. But I started to ramp up so much in my real estate sales that in 2007, in the end of 2007, I actually got fired from my corporate job. I got fired because I wasn't doing a great job at my actual job, right? I was doing a pretty good job selling homes, but I wasn't doing a great job as an employee something that I didn't even you know, realize at the time. But looking back, I probably wasn't the best employee in the world. And this is in 2007, you know, December 2007, I got laid off. You know, I remember driving home from my job. Uh, the office was in Woburn, Mass. I was driving home. I was still living in my parents' basement. And I remember thinking, my first thought was, wow, you know, I'm a failure. My, my dad had been kind of laid off a bunch of times growing up. And you know, I was nervous that I was kind of repeating that same cycle. I got home, was feeling bad about myself. My business partner, um, my now business partner at the time, you know, asked me to go out. We went out, had a few <laughs> adult beverages, had a good time. And I remember waking up the next day enthused. And I remember thinking, I was 20, uh, 25 years old at the time. This is a time that I need to give this a shot. And so I did. And so in 2008, I was still selling houses, but I wasn't selling as many houses as I thought I was going to, given that I was going full time. I automatically kind of assumed that, well, if I put a lot more time into selling houses, that I would get the return. And I did sell more houses that year, but, but not, not as many as I thought. And I made less money that year than I made the year before when I was selling houses part-time and having a full-time corporate job. And, and, and this is like five years. Keep in mind, in 2003, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In 2008, I still hadn't done one investing deals. 
I can't tell you guys the full story. I can't tell you guys every detail along the way. So I'm going to try to highlight the most important parts here of our origin story. But for five straight years, after listening to that audio cassette, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I talked about doing an investment deal. Probably talked about it every day. I was obsessed with it. You know, I would listen to audio books. I would read books, but I never actually took action. The only thing I had done, you know, up until 2008 was get my real estate license and sell some properties, which don't get me wrong, was an accomplishment. Now I started my own business, but at the same time, I wasn't doing, I wasn't, I didn't get into real estate just to sell houses. I got into real estate to build a business and I got into real estate to invest in real estate. And I hadn't done that yet. And I remember, you know, towards the end of 2008, just being really frustrated uh, because again, like I mentioned a second ago, I made less money in 2008 than I did in 2007. And here I am, you know, this person, you know, who I believe was a hard worker, somebody who, you know, people always told me I was fairly smart, did really well in school, did everything I needed to do. And I wasn't having a lot of financial success. And I remember not knowing what to do in 2008. And I remember thinking through a lot of different decisions. But I just kept coming back to the fact that I needed to try to make investing work. And although I had talked a lot about investing, I hadn't taken a lot of action yet. So in the end of 2008, I got on a phone call with a future mentor that completely changed my life. And while, while um, I, I haven't asked permission to name drop, for those of you who are in New England, I am going to name drop that I got on a phone call with, with somebody named Aaron Katz. And Aaron Katz, if, if you know him, you know, you know him. If you don't, that's okay. You know, he was a real estate investor. He was only a couple of years older than me. And I remember getting on the phone with him. And I had a list of questions. I had a list of like 20 questions. During that five-year window where I wanted to be a real estate investor, I was always kind of searching out answers. And in many cases, I would bump into people. I would go to a seminar. I would talk to somebody and ask them questions. And I would never get the answers that made sense to me. Like I didn't feel like they were the right answers. And in hindsight, they weren't. But when I got on the call with Aaron, not only... Did he talk the talk, but he walked the walk. And every question I asked him, he had a great answer for. And every objection I gave him as to why I couldn't invest in real estate, he had a reason why I could. And not just a, hey, you know, Tom, you can do this type of thing, but this is how you do it. And so in the end of 2008, uh, he became my mentor. And three months later, myself and my two partners, we did our first ever real estate deal. Um, this was a deal, 13 Cameron Ave in Somerville, Massachusetts. It's actually a listing appointment that I was scheduled to go on. Um, I remember walking into the property. The seller kind of barely let me into the in, into the house. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what a hoarder was, but she was a hoarder. And when I walked in, you know, she barely, you know, like I said, she barely let me in. And the entire time when I sat down at her kitchen table, I was, you know, trying to get a listing, trying to tell her to put it on the market, trying to tell her how great her property is and how much money she could make selling her house and how much I could help her and all of the great things I could do to promote her house. And I never had an appointment like this before, but 
she kept saying the same thing to me over and over again, which is that she's not selling her house if a bunch of people have to come in. Now, at the time, you know, my first thought was, well, how can you sell a property without having a ton of people come in? But, you know, she had said to me, she said, hey, this is a hot area. There's going to be a lot of people that want this house. Essentially, I know I'm going to get less money by not promoting it, by not selling it the traditional way, but I'm not doing that. And it was because of her fear of people walking into her house and seeing how she lived. She had a ton of equity. She didn't need every last dollar for her house. And she was willing to take less than what the property was worth as long as we didn't have a line down the street promoting her house. So long story short, I kind of knew, I identified at that point that it was an investing deal, but I still was scared. And this is another thing, you know, as kind of, you know, I, I talk about our origin story and lessons along the way. A lot of people don't talk about fear when it comes to investing. A lot of people don't talk about fear when it comes to owning and operating and starting and running a business. I will tell you that people who invest in real estate are scared all the time. People who run businesses are scared all the time. It's not a bad thing. You know, when we talk about, you know, people posting stuff online or, you know, putting putting a front out there that everything is great. I mean, I think we all know when we talk about like what's put out there on social media or just to the public, in many cases, nobody ever talks about any of the struggles or the negative component of this stuff. But in reality, you know, as a 25-year-old, you know, ex-football player who played in high school, played in college, I thought I was a tough guy. I was scared out of my mind to do my first investing deal. And I probably, you know, never said that at the time. Maybe I didn't even know it at the time, but I was. And when I told my mentor, Aaron, about this deal, you know, he said something to me that, that sparked me doing that first deal, which is, hey, look, we both know it's a deal. We both know that if this property is bought and flipped, it's going to be a lot of money to be made. If you don't do this deal, I'm going to. And he said that in a way not to say, like, I want to steal your deal, but he said it in a way like, you better do this deal. Not only did he encourage me to do that deal, but he showed me how to pull the deal off without a lot of money because I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And in terms of kind of lessons that I've learned along the way, the you can invest in real estate with no money thing, for somebody that's never done it, I, I will fully admit it sounds like it's impossible. It sounds like it's a scam. It sounds like it's a sales pitch. But I can tell you that that has been my life. Um, yes, I put my own money into deals now, but when I was first starting, I never put up any money in. I couldn't. I didn't have it. One thing that I've learned, and we teach on this all the time, you know, is that when you have a great deal, money will find you, or it's easy to find money when you have a great deal. The biggest thing that most people don't have are great deals. And most people who have never invested in real estate think that their problem is that they don't have money when their actual problem is that they don't have a great deal. So we had this great deal in Somerville on Cameron Ave, which my brokerage, which now has over 400 real estate agents in it, was named after. Our, our brokerage is Cameron Real Estate. The first investing deal we did was 13 Cameron Ave. 
to make a long story short on this deal, we made $115,000 on this deal. That deal completely changed my life. It completely changed our business. Because at that moment, we realized a few things. Number one, we could invest in real estate. We were capable of investing in real estate. I know that's a simple statement, but a lot of people don't believe, and myself included at that po point in time, that I, I didn't believe I could invest in real estate. I thought there was something special about other people who had invested in real estate. Well, maybe they had some money, or maybe they had an advantage, or maybe they had this, or maybe they had that, or maybe they had more guts than me. When in reality, none of that was true. That was just you know negative self-talk that everybody has. Um, the reality is, is before any of us ride a bike, we worry that we can't ride a bike, right? Before any of us swim, we worry that we can't swim. I mean, the list can, I can give it a million analogies. But after we did that first deal in 13 Cameron Ave, we realized that we could do this. Second thing we realized was $115,000 on one deal was a lot more money than the commissions I was earning selling real estate. Now, again, this is the beginning of 2009. I didn't stop selling real estate, but I knew moving forward that my focus needed to be on getting seller appointments. And that's what I focused a lot of my time, effort, and energy on. For those of you that are listening, you know, there's so many reasons why going after seller appointments is so much better as a real estate agent. But one of them is that you can have these big hit deals. And for those of you, I, I'm sure a lot of you are aware, but we have this partnership program where we'll partner with agents on deals. We'll put up the money, we'll do the construction, and we'll split the profits 50-50 with the agents who find us deals. So if you're a real estate agent right now that knows that going after sellers, that trying to generate seller appointments is more important, that it'll help not only your retail business, but that you can also partner with us and split the profits on a flip where you don't need any money or construction expertise, it's a pretty good deal. So we realized that you know after doing that deal that we could do it. We realized that investing was a, a, a way to get big chunks of income, right? We realized that if we did a few flips, we could then invest in passive income assets. And that's what we ended up doing. You know, I talked about it, uh, when I was promoting this, this webinar, I talked about the fact that, you know, we built a pretty big rental property portfolio without having money to start. Well, how do we do that? You know, a big lesson that we learned along the way is that while I didn't get into the business to flip real estate, flipping real estate gets you big chunks of income that then can be used as down payments for passive income assets. Most of the time when people don't invest in passive income assets, it's because they don't have the money for the down payment. Well, how do you get the money for a down payment? Well, you know, if you're selling real estate or you're working, you know, a 40 hour a week job. It's hard to save up $100,000 for a down payment for an asset. But when you're fixing and flipping a house or you partner with us and you do one or two or three of those, all of a sudden you have enough money now for a down payment. So that was another lesson that we learned along the way as part of our origin story, how we grew the business is that while, again, flipping, we didn't get into, into this business to flip houses. We've now flipped over 1,200 houses. 
Why, why have we done that? Well, because we get big chunks of income in order to invest in passive assets, okay? So continuing along, this is in 2009. That was our first deal. So we spent the next three or four years really perfecting, um, you know, from 2009 to 2013, building a flipping business. In fact, I remember probably sometime in 2010, putting a goal worksheet out there for me and my partners to look at. And I remember setting a goal of flipping 52 homes, one a week. And at the time, you know, the year before that, we had probably flipped maybe 10 houses. And I remember like the look on my partner's faces when I said 52 and how that, you know, seemed out of reach, seemed like something that we couldn't accomplish. And, you know, two years later, we, we flipped 52 homes. We built um, a business that was capable of finding deals, funding deals, managing the construction and doing one a week. Okay. All while still selling homes, still listing homes, still working with buyers, still doing all that. Because again, you know, I don't believe in stop selling real estate. I mean, real estate sales is a great business. Again, I have a, you know, brokerage with over 400 agents, but I believe that income should be diversified, right? You shouldn't just have income from working with buyers and working with sellers. So during that, that span, that 2009 to 2013 span, you know, we were, we were focused on building that flipping business, all while making some money, still selling houses. In 2013, um, I decided to join a big box name brokerage. And this was another kind of turning point in our origin story. You know, some kind of lessons learned along the way in this. Um, if I said the name, it would be a name that every single person who's listening to this right now would know. They're a huge company. And we went in there thinking that we could kind of be the investors in the group. You know, we could, you know, do a lot of the stuff that I do now, teach and training agents how to invest in real estate. I could work with agents on, you know, getting deals for us to fix and flip, getting deals for us to buy and hold, et cetera. And so we went into that, that brokerage. I I'd actually only worked for one other broker in my life, and it was just a one-man shop. Really just didn't provide a whole lot outside of like individual one-on-one -on -one mentorship. So when we signed up with this big box brokerage, you know, we we had, you know, some expectations coming in. And, you know, we went in there and I did a lot of the same stuff that I'm doing now. I would teach and train on investing in real estate. I would network with agents to get investing deals to fix and flip and buy and hold. And everything in the beginning went really well. And, you know, I liked the people there, had no issues with anybody there. But as time went on, uh, we started to be discouraged from teaching and talking about real estate investing. Now, this is something that I still to this day don't fully understand. But they essentially had asked me to please discontinue, you know, holding training sessions at the office, to stop talking about flipping homes, to stop talking about investing in real estate. They had gotten complaints from some of the agents in the office that, you know, they didn't want me doing that. And they asked me to stop. So to me, that was the reason why I joined that brokerage and ended up leaving that brokerage in either 2015 or 2016. When I left that brokerage, I opened my own brokerage. 
you know, again, named after the first deal we ever did, Cameron Real Estate. I never had any intention of actually building a brokerage. That was not in my business model. That was not in my thought process or anything like that. What ended up happening was I was still teaching and training on investing in real estate. I was hosting small events at local, you know, local restaurants and things like that. I would get five or 10 people fight to get anybody there. I had a pretty good, uh, I guess a lot of the people that showed up were real estate agents for whatever reason. I had I had started to attract real estate agents to my events. And as I was attracting real estate agents to my events, I started hearing the same thing over and over again. Wow, you left big box company because they didn't want you talking about investing in real estate. That's funny. I work at a completely different company. Every single time that I'm talking about investing in real estate, or promoting it or asking questions about it, they don't want me to focus on that. And so in 2016, I would pick up maybe an agent a month to join our brokerage that just wanted to learn the ropes when it came to investing in real estate and wanted to be at a place that fostered investing. So again, never had any real plans on doing this and was continuing to build you know, my real estate investing business and flip homes. We continue to flip up, you know, somewhere around one house a week. But what we started to do a little bit different around, you know, 2014 and 15 and 16 was we actually started to build a small rental property portfolio. So, like I mentioned, you know, not that long ago, we would flip a few houses and then use the money, the profits from those properties to then buy a long term buy and hold asset. At the time, you were able to get, you know, three unit, four unit, six unit properties in the greater Boston area that would cash flow and that were reasonably priced at the time. Okay, that's not something I could really say in 2023, but going back, you know, eight to 10 years ago, you could go out, you could buy a property. We we bought a lot of these, some of these we bought off market, some of them we bought off the MLS. Really, it didn't matter because they were they were reasonably priced, and we didn't plan on selling them for a while. Um, so, I do want to talk, you know, quickly about just building up that portfolio. And i I can't go exactly chronologically here, but I'm going to tell you some lessons that we learned on building that rental property portfolio. So, we kept collecting like that. We would flip a few houses, we would buy one, and. In the greater Boston area, like depending upon where you're listening, what I'm about to say may not necessarily be true. But in the greater Boston area, the only places that really cash flow are areas that have, you know, tougher tenants. And I could, you know, name drop some of the towns, but, you know, I think that everybody kind of gets the point. And so when we, when I read that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2003, my, my thought was, hey, you know, buy some assets, hire a property manager, close your eyes, rental checks will be coming in and you'll be able to kind of wake up and have money coming in each and every month. What I found out is that it's not exactly that simple. It's not exactly the case. So a few mistakes that we made, and I said in the beginning, like this is not all about our successes. It's about, you know, the negatives too. Some of the mistakes we made growing that rental property portfolio. The first thing that we did was we only looked at cash flow. We looked and we said, hey, how much does this cash flow? Does it cash flow a lot? Great. Yes, let's buy it. 
So what we ended up doing, which was a mistake, is instead of focusing on buying assets that we wanted to keep long term, meaning it's a great area, it's going to produce great tenants, it's going to be somewhat easy to manage. We picked up a lot of properties that were hard to manage. And so as we kept accumulating, we kept dealing with more and more problems. And the outcome of, of it was that we, we got our rental property portfolio up to a few hundred units and realized there was nothing passive about it. So for those of you who don't know the full story that I tell a lot, we ended up taking a big rental property portfolio and selling it and then converting those into apartment deals that we now you know, buy and build and syndicate. And we now do that in areas where you know, we buy properties that are newer or we build them newer. We build them from scratch, so they're brand new. In fact, we just finished a 19-unit in Wakefield, Mass., which is in the city that I'm, my office is located in, one town over from where I live. Nice community, brand new, done. And now we have tenants that are a lot easier to manage. Now we have buildings that we do want to hold over the long haul. Now we do have you know, buildings that we want to pass on to our kids. So we talk a lot at Agent Investor about our five-step process. Step number three is determining what investment vehicle you want to invest in. And I always say this, this is something that I've learned over the close to 20 years while I've been doing this. Every asset class has positives and negatives, whether you're owning short-term rentals or whether you're owning small multifamilies or single families or you're owning apartment buildings, or you're doing storage units, or you're doing, you know, you know, whatever, whatever asset class it is. One thing that I made a mistake on, and I would wish we would have gone back in time on this. We can't, obviously. Hindsight is always 2020. But I wish we would have put more effort into thinking about what does owning a couple hundred, you know, two to three hundred multifamilies all spread out all over the greater Boston area actually look like? What does a day-to-day look like? We never did that because we never had the foresight to look into the future to actually extrapolate that out. So as you know, some of you are, are sitting here and listening to this origin story and listening to our path, and there's a lot of chapters to it, one thing that I would take away from this is like, when you set your goals, before you start actually putting in your blood, sweat, and tears into building anything, You really have to get clear about what you want your day-to-day life to look like. You know, like how many hours do you want to work? What type of problems are you, you're always going to deal with problems, but what type of problems are you going to deal with? Are you you more apt to want to deal with a short-term rental where maybe the problem is, is that, you know, you're getting people moving in and out every single week. So there's a lot more work there, but maybe it's more the type of work that you want to do or are you the type of person that, you know, wants to do storage units because of what that day-to-day looks like? And I, the list can go on and on. That, that's how we built our rental property portfolio. Another mistake that we made while building the rental property portfolio is just thinking that you can hire somebody, close your eyes, and things are going to get managed the right way. That doesn't exist. And in fact, one of the biggest lessons that we've learned over these 20 or so years is that 
it's almost impossible to be passive, completely passive, outside of a few different types of investments. And I'll tell you the way that you can be passive. There's only a few ways that I know to be completely passive. The first would be investing in other people's deals, like syndications. So when we build these apartment deals, we give people the, the opportunity to invest with us, to be partners with us on these deals. They can be completely passive. However, it requires you to put money in. But if you have money to start, you can be passive, right? Or you know, another alternative, which I don't love, but just to give some highlights here, some examples, would be just to invest in the stock market, invest in a company by Apple or Google and have somebody else manage it. And you put your money in and you're going to get a return or you hope to get a return. So I know I've jumped around a lot. You know, I, I talked about, you know, how we built up our fix and flip business, how we started in 2016 to build our brokerage up. Um, I want to fast forward, you know, a couple more years, 2016 to 2018, which I want to focus a little bit on the brokerage part of the business. And from 2016 to 2018, mistake we, we made, or I made, I kind of led the charge with this truthfully in my own business, but we tried to become kind of like a traditional retail brokerage. Uh, we tried to compete with all of the other players in the market that are all going after the same type of agents and doing the same types of things. This is one lesson that I think everybody, you know, really can learn from. And it's something that, you know, we all, we've all done at some point in our lives, which is kind of try to be something that we're not. I was never the traditional, you know, call it, call it realtor. I was never the traditional realtor. I, I never fit in with that type of mentality. I'm not saying the mentality is wrong, but I, I never fit in with it. When we tried to switch gears and make our brokerage more, more traditional, I guess you could say, it was just against really my natural personality and, and against other people's in the company's natural personality. And so when you're thinking about building a business, right? One thing that I've learned, I mean, we're talking about a lot of things that we've learned along the way, but you have to play to your strengths. You have to know who you are, what you're good at, and play to those strengths and not try to fake it, right? And and so we spent a couple of years truthfully faking it. I mean, I don't think I realized how much I was faking it until we stopped trying to fake it. <laughs> and then we realized, wow, we were really, you know, faking it for a, for a while or trying to fake it for a while. I went to, um, went to a mastermind group. Uh, the, the, the place is called collective genius It's for people that do over a hundred investing deals a year. Then they have people from all over the country. They typically have one or two people in every market. And I listened to a speaker, uh, the, the founder of priceline.com who's a billionaire and he got up on stage and he told a story about Michael Phelps and he said, Hey guys, quick question. How many days a week do you think Michael Phelps, when he was winning his gold medals spent playing hockey, playing football, playing basketball? We all looked at him with blank stares and seemed like an obvious question. So somebody jumped up, answered the question and said, none, right? Probably none. He probably spent all day in the pool. 
He said, yeah. Well, you know, I'm walking around, I'm talking to all of you when you're all supposed to be super successful and all that, doing 100 plus deals a year. And you're all talking about doing a lot of different things. And he said, he asked us another question. And he said, you know the difference between me, who's a billionaire, and you, who's a millionaire? And again, we all sat there kind of with a blank stare. This time, we didn't know the answer to the question. But he said, the difference between me and you is I found out what I could win my gold medal on in, and I focused on that. And a lot of you here are trying to do 10 different things and being okay at all of them, but not being the best in your industry at any one of them. And he said, when I was building Priceline.com, I had so many different offers from so many different people to add, add on segments of my business. He said that he rejected them all. The only thing that he wanted to do is to get into every hotel in the world. And that was his only singular focus. So another lesson that we learned along the way as part of this origin story is try to figure out what you can win your gold medal in. This relates to the 2016 to 2018 part of our company where, you know, we're kind of faking it, trying to be, you know, more than one thing, maybe trying to be something that we couldn't win a gold medal in. I was never going to win a gold medal at being a traditional brokerage. I was never going to be that, but I was trying, right? But so that's when we shifted gears in 2019, I officially, you know, rebranded as agent investor. And that's what, you know, most of you know, you know, if you're listening to the agent investor podcast at www.agentinvestorpodcast.com, we've had that going now for a few years. Or if you're in our Facebook group, if you're not, go to www.agentinvestor.com for a ton of free information. But we rebranded because we realized the one thing we were great at is helping and teaching and training agents how to invest in real estate. That's what we were. We were agent investors. We're all licensed. We're all selling houses. We're all investing in real estate. We're all using the methodologies of retail real estate mixed with investing. We're all going out there learning how to generate seller appointments, which by the way, can be converting into listings or into investment deals. And so that's the kind of up-to-date you know, version of our story, right? So this is what we can win a gold medal in. And I know I'm talking about us, but as you're sitting there right now, you've got to think about what you can win a gold medal in. What do you love? What are you passionate about? What, are your, what is your skill set? And how do you use that skill set and your passion to create something that's going to be great? And we believe that we're in the process of doing that with Agent Investor. We just crossed the other day 15,000 members in our Facebook group, right? And that, that's a big deal for me, right? Do I have a million people on my Facebook group? No, no, I'm, I'm not Grant Cardone. I'm not, I'm not Gary Vee. But we can be the best in that niche, right? At the niche of helping agents invest in real estate. So that's what we're focused on doing. So that's where we're at today, 2023. That's our story. I want to hit on some of the lessons that maybe I didn't talk about yet um, because I tried to do my best to go a little bit in chronological order, but there are other things that we did along the way that I think some of you can kind of benefit from. And again, Having said all of this, this is not the full book, right? This is the Cliff Notes version. 
of a 500-page book that is our origin story, that is our story of our company. But for brevity purposes, we've got to do our best to give you guys the cliff notes. So I want to talk about what we did right and also, you know, what maybe we didn't do so good. All right. So we worked hard. We busted our butt. There's no substitute for that. If you work with us, if you're in our inner circle, if, if, if I become your mentor, if somebody in my company becomes your mentor, we can shortcut the path to success, but we can't help you achieve what you want to achieve without the hard work. And we worked hard. All right. That's a lesson. Hard work doesn't necessarily always guarantee success, but hard work is a critical element that you cannot, you can't, you can't not work hard. Second thing uh, that we did right, we took our, our setbacks in stride. I didn't list all of our setbacks. Again, this would be a three hour long presentation if I did. We had many setbacks along the way. We had many, you know, haters. We had many things that that could have that could have put us down for the count. And you know, it, it it's easy to get discouraged. If you're listening to it now, if you guys have met me, if if you guys know our story, it probably seems like everything is perfect all the time, and it's not. It's not perfect all the time. There's something that happens every single week where it's just like, man, can't believe this happened. It's disappointing. Or it's a setback. And so uh, it's a Japanese proverb that I'm going to screw up, but it essentially says, you know, you fall six times, you get up seven. I'm sure I, you know, botched that a little bit, but we've done that. Every time we got knocked down, we got back up. You know, and I'm not saying we didn't feel the pain of getting knocked down. We did, you know, and I'm not saying there weren't times where we didn't feel like getting up. We, there were plenty of times we felt like not getting up, but we always have, and we always will. All right. So what have we done? Well, we didn't repeat mistakes. I forget this. I'm going to botch this one too, but Thomas Edison, you know, when asked, you know, how does he feel about the, the 10,000 times that he wasn't able to create the incandescent light bulb. And he said, oh, you're looking at it the wrong way. I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways that it didn't work. And what he meant by that is that there's only so many times that he's going to fail, right? Every time that he, he tries is another opportunity to succeed. And at some point, he's going to figure it out, okay? Same thing with, with this right? You have to be willing to, to try and to fail. And you have to be able to not repeat your mistakes. You will make mistakes. If you learn from them and you don't repeat them, you will continue to progress. Another thing we did right, we were always willing to try something new. We're always at some phase tweaking and testing and trying. A few months ago, I said, well, you know, it's great that we're getting, you know, 80 or 90 people to our events, but I'd love to get more. Well, how can we maybe get more? Well, what if instead of doing one event a month, we did two? And what if they were spread out? What if instead of it just being close to Boston, we did close to Boston plus somewhere else? So we actually did that for the first time this month. 
we did an event in Boston and one in Springfield, Mass, which is about two hours away. And guys, I'm here to tell you, it didn't work out as great as I thought. I got 85 people to show up in Boston. I got 10 people to show up in Springfield. I lost money in Springfield. And I'm, I'm only telling you guys this because this is just reality. But we're not going to give up, right? We're going we're gonna to try again in a few different towns. We're going to keep tweaking. So we're always willing to try something new. Maybe it won't work. Maybe six months from now, we'll realize, hey, we need to be really close to Boston. It's the only way that we can get people, enough people to show up to make it worth our while, to make it worth us dropping five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 in an event. Maybe not. Another thing that we did right is we eventually, it took me a while, took me a while to get around other people that were investing in real estate, but I finally did. It took me five years, right? From the day that I listened to Rich Dad Poor Dad, 2003, to getting a mentor in the end of 2008, took me five years you know, to, to get around other investors. Don't let it take five years, right? This is something I'm telling you that we did right, but I'm telling you from experience, don't wait five years. It's great to read a book. It is. It's great to listen to this you know, video or webinar or podcast, but the real magic happens when you can have a direct conversation with somebody and talk about your goals, what you want to do, what you've already done, and strategies. But the magic happens when it's not a group thing, when it's a one-to-one. So get around other people who are investing, get mentors. You know, if you haven't considered joining our inner circle program, sign up for a call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com and at least, at least hear what we have to say on that. Now, what about the things we did wrong? Okay, I'm going to wrap on that. High level things we did wrong. I talked about this before, but we did too many things, right? We, we tried to do too many things at once. We had too many balls in the air all at the same time. I mean, I didn't even list all of the other things that we wanted to do, right? Or all of the things that we tried. And at the end of the day, you only have brain power to be really good at a small amount of things. Remember the Michael Phelps story. What can you win a gold medal in? I talked about um, another thing that we did wrong, trying to, trying to do things that I wasn't. You know, what things are you not? We raise a lot of capital. I've raised over $20 million of capital uh, from people that most of them wanted to invest in real estate, but they don't want to do the day-to-day. They don't want to go out. They don't want to find properties. They don't want to manage them. They don't want to do the renovation. If you've got capital, that could be an area for you where you say, hey, I know myself. I know I don't want to deal with tenants, but I want to put my money to work. And that's one example. Be who you are um, and be who be what you're good at. Couple other things, and then I'm going to wrap. I know we went long here. In the beginning, we grew with no real plan. The only plan was to be successful, whatever that meant. And we did not have, you know, a direct plan. We did not have metrics that we measured ourselves against every single week. When somebody joins our inner circle program, the first thing that we do is we go through our five step process. Step one, where are you at today? Step two, where do you want to be five to 10 years into the future? Step three, what's the investment vehicle that you're going to choose? 
That one's a lot harder than you might think. Step four, what are the top three to six priorities that you need to accomplish this quarter? And step five, what's your weekly scorecard that you look at every single week? What are the numbers you're looking at every single week to track your success? This is Tuesday at 6 a.m. Myself, my partner, and our leadership team had our weekly meeting. And we looked at all of those things. We we looked at, okay, what are our top priorities for the quarter? Are we are we doing them? What are our numbers for the week? Did we hit them? How many deals did we sign? How many appointments did we go on? How many, what percentage of properties are on budgeting on time? What percentage of our flips hit the market this week? And we look at these numbers every single week. That sounds easy, but most people don't do it, including myself. It took me a long time to do. If you don't know what that looks like, jump on a call with me at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com and we'll talk through what your scorecard should actually look like. Okay. And the last thing that I didn't do well in the beginning and we ended up fixing was getting around other people who invested in real estate. I really can't stress that one enough. My last kind of way that I'm going to screw up the saying, but you know, the, the saying kind of goes like, you know, get around four other healthy people, you'll be the fifth. Get around four other people that are alcoholics, you'll be the fifth. Get, get around four other people that, you know, um, that invest in real estate, you'll be the fifth. The list goes on and on. You are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. It doesn't mean that you dump your friends. It doesn't mean that you have to do anything crazy. It all starts with getting out, coming to an event. If you don't like us, you don't like me, you don't like our company, fine. Find another company, find another mentor that you like, that you trust, that knows what they're doing, that's willing and able to help you and get around them. Okay, start by coming to our event at www.agentinvestorevent.com. But if it's not me, have it be somebody else. Don't try to do this alone. One of the biggest reasons I didn't get a mentor in the beginning is I thought I could do it on my own. I, I thought I was smarter than I was. And at 21, 22, 23 years old, I was in some ways overconfident, but yet at the same time, I wasn't confident enough to do a deal. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds, right? Where I thought I could do it alone. At the same time, I did nothing on my own. So getting around other people that are doing this, um, guys, I really appreciate everybody who stayed on to the end. I know we went long. I shared a lot. I hope it was valuable to the people you know who listened. This is our story. Your story is going to be different. You're going to want different things. You're going to be passionate about different things. You're going to have different skill sets. But you can achieve big things if you put your mind to it and you're smart about how hard you work. Mentioned a minute ago, there's no substitute for hard work, but you've got to also work smart. You've got to both work smart and work hard. If you don't know exactly what you should be doing every single day, like if you're an entrepreneur and you wake up and you're not 100% sure what you should be spending your time on, you've got to figure that out. That is a reason to join the inner circle. That's a reason to jump on a call with me to talk through that. How you spend your time dictates the outcome that you're going to get. Most of this stuff is not gut-wrenching, rocket science. Most of it's not 
you know, run a marathon. Like most people who are listening to this have done things that are much harder than what it would take to have big financial success. But it's just that they're not 100% clear on exactly what needs to be done. If you're not clear, jump on a call, www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com and come to one of our events at www.agentinvestorevent.com. Don't forget, like diversify your income. It is super important to make sure that you're not just earning income from working with buyers and sellers. With all of the stuff that's going on with the buyer agent commission lawsuits, with everything that's going on in the real estate market, with how flaky clients can be, it's a great business, but it's a nerve wracking business because you just don't always know when your next paycheck is going to come in. And I know because I was there. Make sure that you make a commitment to adding investing income to your business in the coming year. And you'll be thankful you did. Your family will be thankful you did. You'll have far less stress and you know, you'll, you'll diversify your income. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in again. I know it went long, but I think we got, you know, most people to stick around, which means that it must've been somewhat interesting. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again soon. Make sure that you're listening to the agent investor podcast at www.agentinvestorpodcast.com on the go in your car, while you're working out, while you're walking, There's no excuse to not listen to a couple of podcast episodes a week. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.